guys again welcome back to calling all beings i'm your host dj along with my co-conspirator who's already starting up another joint with me and i don't mean the kind you thinking of sam okay tupa <laughs> i'm talking about something else money nathan what's up not much man just uh having a good friday beautiful day out there uh did some projects today a few projects that you know about you know just just what you talked about there excited to help out yep. with that Cool. And uh, just really excited to talk to Kevin. No Productions, baby. What's up? Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. so Kevin uh, may join us, Flurry's Kevin, when he gets home from oh. work. He's at work, mate. Mm. He's taking care of business. <laughs> yes. But until he gets here, holding it down is our research and homie who I done shared her UFO connector on Tupacabra Space. And I'm like, you want to learn about the phenomenon? Whoa, hold up, man. I got a place where it's one-stop shopping for everything. And that is study of UAPs. What's up, Debs? Hi, everyone. I'm excited. Excited about today for sure. Glad to be here. Deb, you look great today. Good, good to see you. Do. You. you do. Thank you. Look, it's it always like the makeup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's good to have you. Uh, and also, uh, my homegirl who I had a great conversation with last week. I can't wait till the next one. And she is at UAP Experience Serves. Steph. <laughs> What's up, homegirl? What is I missed you guys so much. I was itching to get on camera with you guys like all day today. And not only that, but, you know, it's Kevin's birthday today. So we're not only getting to interview Kevin Day, but we're, we're able to celebrate him. So, yeah, it, it's really it's a it's a great day. Great way to end the week. Yeah, I mean, thank you. And speaking of the itching, uh, if I can send you some uh, DJ's bespoke skincare with Nathan on the cover. It's true. And uh, I think that'll handle skin anomalies that you have, or even Kevin. Or so, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, I just said it. I just said his name. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, party people. Get ready to welcome this brother right here. He's United States Navy retired. This brother was on the USS Princeton tracked the a tic tac for several days before directing a successful and probably very frightening intercept on that with Dave Fravor, Alex Dietrich in their back seaters. Pardon me because I don't know their last names. I might get in trouble. Uh, but we are super excited to have my Navy brother. So get that flower and Cheeto dust off your hands and put them together for yeah. my man, Kevin Day. Hello there, hello there from uh, beautiful Southern Oregon, Illinois Valley. Glad oh. to be here today. Oh. Great to see it's you. Dog. Great to see the timing is perfect. Yes. We're a very dog-friendly show, so it's not a problem. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We are a dog-friendly show. We've done a couple of things for dog rescues on this show. Hey, there's my colleague right there, John Smith. Uh, chiming in, he's another uh, simulator analyst and also a U yeah. motorcycle so YouTuber. Hey, John. So Thank you, Scott. brother. Um, so anyway, we're very happy to have you, uh, Kevin, uh, there's stuff that we've sort of wanted to dig into, but 
before we kind of do this, I was wondering, um, so everybody knows that you're a part of this. I mean, you're basically famous uh, in the community because of the incident that uh, basically happened because you decided to take action, probably against, uh, you know, uh, certain judgments that, that you might have thought would, or would be held against you uh, to direct an, an intercept of this device uh, that you saw uh, over several days. And I was wondering if you could explain to people uh, just in general uh, that for the layperson about the spy one radar and what we're looking at, what is a phased array radar compared to what we would think of as like a targeting radar or ATC type radar? Well, traditional radar will uh, rotate and then you'll, you'll see uh, objects lit up as the, as the beam passes them and then it'll come back around and you get a next update on the track and you can track it that way. And, they got faster and faster and faster. Now, the SPY is a phased array, three-dimensional radar. It looks in all directions all the time, all the time, unless you narrow it down. And you can sub, you can uh, subdirect it and sector it out and all that other kind of stuff so you don't flood your own systems, so to speak. It's a, it's a beautiful system, and um, it's a system that we use to uh, find those contacts off Catalina Island back in 2004. And the... the what I honestly, my heart of heart, and I don't know, it's always been a, a burning question for me. Is like, you know, I had spent literally years in those waters behind that radar. I was on the USS Vincennes. Um, I was one of the very first spy operators, you know, in the, in the whole program. There was CG 48, I was on CG 49, doing I was on the Chosen out in Pearl Harbor, and then back in San Diego on the Princeton, literally years in those waters. And this was my very last underway mm -hmm. on a ship. And I, I was up on watch. I was a very senior trainer, of course. I was trying to get the combat team ready. They were going on deployment. And I was up on watch, and I noticed these strange contacts. And I'm kind of going off your initial question a little bit, but it kind of has to do with the qualities of the radar itself. If it's okay, I'd like to just kind of continue with this Please. thought. Please. And I was up on watch and um, I noticed these tracks off Catalina. I was like, that's really odd. And it wasn't my situation awareness at the, at the moment because my, my focus was down on the um, air defense sector part, which is way below uh, outer space. OK, but the ballistic missile defense team was actually tracking these objects coming down from lower Earth orbit. They would go to 80,000 feet and kind of stay. And then they would go down to 28,000 feet where I became um not really concerned about them, but I became aware of them. And the thing is, they were tracking from Catalina right through our operations area. And at the time, we didn't have any aircraft aboard Nimitz. They haven't, they hadn't embarked on the ship yet. So, and I thought it was just something um, civilian related. They didn't even know we were out there. Although there was nothing in the no toms, no tams, uh, notice mm -hmm. to air yep. mariners. Yep. Uh, notified, I thought, hey, maybe they just forgot. But they were on our data links. We were reporting them back to the beach just in case. Until the day of November 14th rolled around, and I, I did have aircraft on the Nimitz, and then we were going to do a big, huge air defense exercise. That's when Kevin Day became concerned because I was very concerned about safety of flight. And that is one of my primary concerns to this moment. And that's the reason why I chose to speak out of it originally. I was like, hey, guys. Anyway, um, I'm kind of jumping ahead. Let me go back. Um, Captain Smith comes down to combat. I said, hey, sir, we've been tracking these things for days now. I have no idea what they are. I do not want to run into one of these because someone's going to ask you and me why we were so damn curious about these objects. 
They're real. We've brought down our systems, ran all the diagnostics tests we had. I think we're seeing them because of our systems upgrade. It can let us see them now. I highly recommend, and I'm going to log this if you don't agree with me, just so you know, sir, that we intercept one of these things and see what they are. He said, you're right, Senior Chief, intercept and visual ID, VID. And Commander Fravor on Fast Eagle just happened to be the first man, um, or person airborne not from his uh, wing. He was that kind of gay, one of, one of the greatest um, naval aviators the Navy's ever produced, by the way. And we took control of them, and the rest is history. I'm going to ask one more geek question before I turn it over to Money Nathan, yep. who probably has a a banger of a question for you, but um, did you, when you went to pencil, I'm, I'm assuming you went to pencil beam on it and did it, did it give you a different kind of a return or a more, uh, a more interesting aspect to look at in a, in a pencil mode or something? Uh, uh, the, the, there's no need to do that essentially on the spy, on the spy radar. Um, we had the highest quality spy track available the entire time we were tracking these things. Got it. And um and the thing that really got everyone's attention really quickly, of course, and everyone knows this story by now, is Commander Fravor got in the same piece of airspace, this thing right down to the surface of the water. And some people saying it went in the water. It wasn't my situational awareness at the time. Went chasing it down. And it right in front of him disappeared. Now, in um, carrier air defense, like if this is the aircraft carrier, we'll have points in space in the direction of the of the of the threat sector of course my camera is reversed i'm getting pointed the wrong way on you guys okay um but we put up a defensive shield be between us and whatever threats out there combat air patrol station and he had and commander fravor and fast eagle hadn't even gotten into a station yet he had just launched the very first guy to launch for their defense exercise this object whatever it was somehow some way went exactly to his cap station his, not someone other, not assigned to someone else, but his cap station, his air crew's cap station. And because they're specifically assigned to people, uh, different elements of the, of the, of the, of the flight that goes up. And, uh, oh my God, I'm, how do you explain that? What, I mean, I, what's your explanation? I, I'd love to hear it. Cause I don't have one. I, up to this moment, I'm baffled. I, this thing knew, I, I think, in, in, and then when we yeah. recently went off SoCal, we're going to talk about this later with Caroline Corey's movie, A Terror in the Sky. Yeah. Um, one of the researchers, um, Matthew Zidalgas, came up to me and said, hey, Kevin, I got a question for you. I said, what, what's that, sir? He said, do you think intentions have something to do with this? And I looked at him, and he he was kind of emotional. I said, uh, yes, sir. Um, I think that lesson was pretty clear in 2004. I think that's why it went to our cap station. I think that was the message. What was what? Were, I think they were telling me, maybe. God, I hate that. It's hard for me because I I'm just a normal guy, man. I didn't ask for this shit. But we have to. We have to. Somehow, we have to. Somehow I'm caught up in it, and I've got to do this, you know. And because, but some of the things I say, they sound so egotistical, but they're not meant to be. It's just it's a reflection of what I'm going through and the reality of it. So. It's hard, you know, yeah. it's hard for me to come out like this because yeah. I just want to be a normal person and have a normal life. I don't want to be We're, famous. I don't want to be rich. I just want to help people at this point. That's what I want. I know who I work for. We, we are here with you, brother. And uh, 
We're not here to judge. We're not here to extract. We're here to just kick around some ideas mm -hmm. with someone who has more expertise than us. And we greatly appreciate and uh, respect that I you're willing too. to speak with us. And let, let me thank, turn it over thank to God. my brother. Thank yeah, you. Thank Sir? God for this, for yeah. this journey. That's all I got to say. And, and it took me forever to, to figure this out, you know, and, um, you know, when this first started happening, I was concerned about safety of flight, and I still am. It's one of my primary concerns. But the post-tic-tac thing, uh, if I could just kind of keep going with the story here, because this is this is a, my message right here. I'm about to get to yes, my Kevin Day's message. <clears throat> Excuse me. Post-tic-tac, I'll leave the defense contractor names out of it because they were good people, and they were just like anyone else at the time. I, I would, in meetings, i say, hey, guys, we got... We, Guys and gals, we got a problem here off San Diego, a, a safety of flight issue. And they, they what's up, Kevin? What, what's going on? And I would try to describe what, what happened in 04. And all they heard, all they could hear was UFO. And I, I literally got laughed out of meetings. I can't even tell you how bad that hurt, man. It, it, at one at one point, um, I got so damn frustrated. I went home and I wrote a book um, called, I wrote a short story about the whole thing, changed all the names. It's called The Seer. I published it in the Library of Congress with some other short stories. It's called Sailor's Anthology. And the reason why I did that is twofold. One, to get it off my chest in a positive way. And two, I put it in the Library of Congress just in case the story ever did become public. My little book I published in February 2009 would become direct evidence that the event itself actually happened. And my book is now it, a little bird told me it's one of the reasons why the government had to come out and say, yeah, UAT is real. I mean, how, how there's no way to explain my book otherwise, unless I have a time machine, <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> I have no and, doubt. Uh, no yeah, doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. So I, I know I kind of went off um, track with your spy question a little bit, but no, this it's is all great. related. You know, this it's all what related. we're here. This is what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just don't want to hog up all, all the Kevin day. I got to give it up to my brother, money, Nathan. It's, it's an honor to have you with us. And, uh, and maybe I was we having... need to do more than one show. Yeah, yes, we will. Just, you're welcome anytime, anytime. Yep. Yep. Um, I was having lunch with my dad today and we were talking about leadership and, uh, I won't tell you in what context, but kind of, we landed on this, this notion that some of the greatest leaders don't really want to lead. Uh, they lead because they kind of have to. And uh, I, I just want to thank you for what you have done and the courage it took. I know I hear what you're saying. It's not something you have sought. You know, you, you just had to do this because you felt that it was the right thing. And along that same sort of line, I know that uh, we've had some hearings recently. We've had some legislation that's been introduced that seems to really want to get at the heart of this. Congress seems to want to try to solve, as you said, the safety of flight issue, among many other issues related to this topic. What was it like for you sort of seeing that progress uh, take place in our in, in, in our Congress? Are you optimistic? Um, and then the second Hell part of this yeah. question is, what, what do you think about those who are in the role that you had who are out at sea right now? How do you think they're, they're feeling about what they're seeing uh, in this topic? I think I'll take the second part of the question first. I think active duty military now is greatly relieved that if they see something on patrol, they can actually say something and not be looked at like they're crazy or immediately given a piss test to see if they've been smoking something, you know, which one of my bosses literally asked me, mm. Kevin, what the hell have you been smoking? You know, when I showed him my book, 
God, that hurt. I can't even tell you how bad that hurt. I'd known that guy all my career. Mm. And I was like, what are you, what? But anyway, um, active duty military nowadays are, I think they're greatly relieved. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. And what was the first part of the question? Well, the, with the legislative uh, progress that oh, we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, uh, my our, our attorney at UAPX has sent Congress a letter um, offering myself to testify, which I um, that's my goal. I, I would very much like to get in front of Congress because I can tell you right now, um, if they get me, if they get me in front of that Congress. It's going to be C-SPAN history because I'm going to turn some heads, believe me, because there's no way they're going to be look, be able to look at me and say I'm lying. Mm-hmm. Nope. It, it doesn't look like happen. that's their aim, the way that they're they seem to be very generous with people that are. That are yeah, and I understand. I understand their positions. I mean, they, they're they're elected from the state of beautiful state of Pennsylvania or something. Right. They're just a regular <laughs> person. And you know what? They're trying to do the best they can. And this whole thing comes out of the blue at them. And they're trying to get funding to improve streets in their hometown. You know what I mean? It's like it's, something's got to wake them up at least mm-hmm. and wake up to even the wrong the wrong turn because it makes them sound bad, which they're not. Most of them are probably really good people, like most of the people on this planet. It's just a very few of us, I think, that messes I will I won't cuss, but. Messes it up for the rest of us, but most of us are good, including our Congress. And I think if someone like myself and some of the other witnesses that have military that have um, had these experiences gets up in front of that Congress, it'll make history. Yeah. Because something will happen out of it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I want to. No I want to just add. I'm sorry. There's no way they'll be able to say no. Mm-hmm. I want to add one thing. I mean. The fact that you have the most qualified person to interpret the spy one radar on the ship is you. And so therefore that kind of testimony for people to say, I want data. I want data. I need expert testimony and data. Okay. Well, you, you know, you're not going to actually see the raw data, but you're going to get the expert testimony. And that's why you're, I think you're very important is you didn't just see something with Mark one eyeballs that can be misinterpreted, but you actually saw, and we're able to collect data using the best radar available at the time on this object. And that is critical to those hearings, in my opinion. Me too. And um, DJ, don't give up hope. Um, I'm not unconvinced at this point that that data might suddenly make an appearance if, um, during those hearings. Uh, don't ask me how or <laughs> why I feel that way, but there's um, the, the, and it, this thing changes you. This experience, it, you know, even astronauts are saying this now. And, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about before we run out of time is, um, and it's the second, you know, my, my first problem was safety of flight. Now today, looking back on this, I didn't understand it. Damn guys, I, I, I quit my job and I became obsessed with this idea that I could find the mother load for a hundred year old guiding um, mining claim out in the wilderness. I'm like, tell me out this wilderness here in Southern Oregon. So my, my entire family thought I had gone insane. I'm convinced of it. I was suddenly living out in the wilderness. My wife of 20 plus years had left me. I was penny. I was broke. I was jobless, but I was obsessed with this idea that I could find the mother load. And you know what? I did. I did find it. And in fact, it's, 
there's a chance it could become one of the hugest finds ever found because of the fact that the, the type of geology is um it's called the Josephine Ophiolite. And what it is, it starts at the mid-Pacific Ocean and it's the spreading arcs. And they're loaded with hydrothermal vents, as you know. And these things lay down mineral deposits. Well, this whole this whole piece of geology goes from Northern California to Southern Oregon. It, it came over to the West Coast of the United States and instead of getting subducted because it's so heavy, like um, ground never really gets subducted under continental plates because plates are, they float, right? Well, an ophiolite gets stuck on dry land, and that's what we got here. And for decades now, I mean, they've known about it, but it was unminable because it's in the wilderness. And of course, and I agree, man, you ain't tearing up my wilderness. No freaking way. That place is primordial and it's beautiful. I would defend it with my life. Mm-hmm. However, when the um, the Dear Moon mission came up with Elon Musk, I said, why not? I'm going to go ahead and apply. So I applied and I sent them all my research because they wanted to know, okay, how does going with us going to change what you're doing here on the planet? So I applied and I sent them all my research. And about four days later, I was right outside the house and I noticed this um, low flying jet aircraft, pure white flying north and south directly over the wilderness. And I thought, now that's really weird. I've, I've been living here. How, I grew up here and I've never seen any jet fly over that wilderness. I didn't even think it was legal. It turns out it was a NASA flight on a geodetic mission. And I can send you the, I got pictures of it. I don't know if I sent it to you guys or not, but I sure will. I'll send you my, I'll send you all my manual research and you you do have it. No, I don't. We we would like to see it though. Okay. It, um, I mean, the thing you, okay. Why Musk, right? Well, the thing is that in part of my application, I included the suggestion, Hey, uh, sir, with your new boring technology, he's putting in the tunnels between LA and Las Vegas. You might be able to repurpose that to mine something like an ophiolite from below the ground and never touch a blade of grass in the wilderness. Think about and that. And when he says minute. boring, he doesn't mean boring. He means boring. No, he means making drilling. tunnels. Drilling. Yeah, taking, <laughs> taking rocks out of the ground. Yeah. Elon, and you got boring technology, man. This thing could be. That would uh, be wonderful. It, 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 and you and, and you wonder how? Okay, how much are we talking about, Kevin? Um, I think it's trillions with a capital T, man. Wow. And there, there's metals, there are minerals down there. There's gold. I mean, we had gold, right? But there's more than gold down there. There's um, there's every rare element on the planet. My grandpa was telling these stories about it. And the the whole reason why I even figured it out is because when I first became aware of, it, I was thinking gold nuggets, like all the gold mining here right he said no kevin you got it wrong i said what do you mean sir he said the stuff we were getting and we probably lost more than we ever found when you looked at it through a a, a microscope magnifying glass it like snowflakes i'm like what because i'm thinking in my mind okay if it traveled at all it's gonna look like little tiny ball bearings and could it get it's gonna get it soft it's gonna get beat up it can't be coming from very far away from where they're getting it and that kind of one thing led to another, and I was able to figure out the whole ophiolite thing, and bam, there you go. I, I, I in my heart of hearts, I, and I know this sounds filling the bank with the cuss word, I, in my heart of hearts, I think I was led there. I really do. How, how do you explain me suddenly becoming obsessed with this idea and then turning it into something that could quite literally take us to space exploration because we need those there's there's minerals down there that we need for space exploration believe it or not 
And what about our national debt? I, I, I believe there's enough wealth down in this ground right below my feet right here to maybe even pay it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's because and I know it sounds crazy, but it's because of the type and the size of the geology that I'm talking about. That's the reason right there. Well, I mean, and, we don't know. Well, here's, well, DJ, here's my problem. Yeah. So the, the issue that I have today is when I was going through all these changes, um, my family had thought I get, had gone insane. And that was just me. And other people have kind of had similar experiences um, that I've talked to since then. But here's my question. What if, what if there was a worldwide mass contact event and every single person on this planet started to change like I did and nobody knew why or how? I'm telling you, brother, that might not end well for us. Mass hysteria. And I, I think that I think that is the reason why whatever this is has avoided us because they, they know that a mass contact event might not end well for this planet. And I think they learned that lesson maybe centuries ago when they did try to contact us and it didn't end well. Yeah, I think I, I've, I've uh, been working on that hypothesis for a couple of weeks now. Talked to Nathan about it. Haven't talked with Deb about it yet, but I will. And um, it's uh, not one of the things that I, I'm happy about is certain people's reactions to things like Tic Tac that uh, attempts to say this didn't happen. It's human technology. It's not real. And even some even more ridiculous things that I wouldn't even repeat on air that I read this week. But uh, but you are not among those people right now. And um, Kev, um, I'm going to turn you over to our researcher, the host of Deb's Data Dojo. What's up, Deb? Hello. Talk to my man. Hi, Deb. Hi. So I wanted to, um, instead of just doing a question, I wanted to give you a chance to make a statement if you want to other experiencers or the public in general, kind of about what you've been through. Um, and I just wanted to give you room to do that. Um, so I guess if you needed a question, it's what would you say to the public about what happened if, for those who may not know the story in general? Um, don't be afraid. Yeah, do not be do not be afraid. Just like the ancient words said, um, um, if you if you encounter these things, there there is a very good chance it's going to change you, and and if you let it, you don't freak out, and it you know you don't become unglued. It's going to make you a better person somehow, in some way. It can give you new ability. Believe it or not, it can give you new abilities. New talents out of the blue, new talents. Um, you can suddenly become more compassionate, care about people. Um, and it, I mean, maybe it changes all in slightly different ways. And for me, it, it turned off any, any, and I've never been a um, hungry for money type of guy anyway, but I, I don't have any interest in that. You know what? I'm I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I love my family and people around me and my community and my nine dogs and um you know yeah. what I, I don't want to go out you know I, I I like like all of you I watch movies and listen to modern rock and all that stuff and I, I look at these people doing those performances and God bless them you know what it, it it seems so glamorous but you know what the ugly side of it is those people bust their butts man 
That's yeah. hard work. They're very necessary. And they don't have, you know, they don't have the life I have. And I don't want to lose this by doing something like that myself. No way. No way. That's why I'm kind of hard. That's why I'm, I'm um, very choosy, picky about who I talk to about this and stuff. Um, I'm not looking to make a fortune out of this. I don't. It's hard to explain, but that's how I feel. We're very grateful that we're among the people that you talk to, especially today on your birthday. Yeah! <laughs> happy birthday to Kevin. You, you guys missed it. We did hang, uh, sing him happy birthday backstage. Tupacabra, you could have been there because you could have offered that baritone that we needed. Uh, we didn't have a baritone. So, uh, but you know what? I'm going to forgive you. You can do it when you come on air with us. Uh, uh, Deb, did you have a follow-up or are we going to Steph now? Um, I think we're ready to hear what Steph has to say. Yeah. Stephanie. Hey, hello. And yes, thank you for your service. Uh, I, it's an honor to have you here. And, you know, behind the scenes, I was saying, well, you know, we need to roll out the red carpet for you because truly, I mean, your vulnerability and the place that you were put into to the way that you were made to feel um, really does speak volumes as to, you know, where your mind was in this, you were ready to say, Hey, look, I don't care what anybody above me says. This is my moment now to tell you what I, I witnessed. And I'm, I'm tired of people being made to feel that way. So I just appreciate your vulnerability and coming forth and speaking about it. And hopefully we'll see you, you know, in front of Congress and, you know, showing the data that you guys had that on radar that you collected and, you know, just thank you. I, I, uh, I, I just can't, I can't say that enough because I do, I do speak with experiencers on a, on a pretty regular basis, but they're civilians. So we, uh, the civilians, uh, we're, we're very excited to have you here speaking for us because really you're the one that's serving as that platform to, um, for experiencers. So there, there you are, here you are. And here yeah, we DJ, are. <laughs> DJ cool. can relate to the DJ can relate to this being military is our leadership in place. That's, yes. that's what it is. Yep. Leadership in place. Yep. Yes. You lead from where, lead from the place and moment where you're at. That's it. Right. That's the point. Yeah. And, and well, that's what we need. And that's what you're serving as. So um, I did uh, I did want to mention and we had it kind of uh, Nathan kind of mentioned it already about ex service members and veterans that had experiences. Well, I did have a, a veteran come forth that wanted to speak about something that had happened at Vandenberg and Vandenberg is Southern California for some of you do, who don't know. And, you know, as he was talking about it, you could tell that he had this kind of anxious kind of thing about everything that he was kind of like unveiling, we'll just say. And so he, uh, he actually kind of stepped back a little bit because he wasn't ready to actually speak about it, but he is a military member that, you know, they're, they're wanting to kind of dust off the cobwebs and they're coming out of the woodwork because of these types of events. So is there anything else that you would say to, to speak directly to those individuals? Hang in there and you're not crazy. Yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's the thing is people don't want to think that there's something that wrong with them. You know, they, they need to know, hey, I'm OK. Cool. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. And I, I want to say that I find people that, that do come out and talk about this, like Stephanie, like yourself, to be very brave. And I come at that from the perspective that when I was 14, I was uh, I li- or 15. I, I, I think it actually might have been 15. I saw I had a sighting in the Hudson Valley and I didn't tell my mother or my father or my brother because I had the fear of being made fun of. Uh, but uh, yeah. folks like yourself, like Stephanie, were able to overcome that and talk about it and say, damn it, I'm going to talk about it. So uh, very courageous. Um, yeah. Th- the other thing I want to say is that uh, we thought that one Kevin wasn't quite enough. So we wanted to bring in another one. And that is Yay. our very own Flarius, mm-hmm. Kevin Baker. Hi, Kevin. Hey. Hi, and- Kevin. Welcome. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> Welcome. Nice to meet you. Nice name, you Kevin. You got in a traffic jam, huh? Oh, yeah. That, that California traffic. No yeah. fun. <laughs> um, did you want to jump in with your question right now, Kev? Um, let me see where you guys are at first. You want to I just got okay. off work. Um, yeah, I've, I even got I've my got work shirt something. on still. I've, uh, <laughs> okay. I've got some. <laughs> you better not say Chico Bail Bonds or it's going to remind uh, Kevin and I of Bad News Bears. Uh, anyway, um, no, uh, actually, uh, we have two uh, mental health professionals that work with uh, kids uh, in the t- case of Deb, kids and adults and kids in the case of Kevin. And we're extremely proud of, of uh, the mentorship and the uh, the uh, uh, the what would you call it? Uh, the, the therapy that they provide uh, people who need it. So thank you. Um, so here's a question that I have, Kev. So. Why, if you were to take a guess, why, and so we're just speculating here because we don't know, but why do you suppose that that particular phenomenon decided to jam Underwood's targeting radar, but not your spy one radar? Do you believe that it's because it it could sense that your spy one radar was not a threat and that his targeting radar was a threat? Or what's your hypothesis on that? Hmm. That's as good as um, theory as I've ever heard. Actually, yeah, I would. If there was a reason, that might be it. Yeah. He, wow, Nate, the, I had a good theory. Whatever, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Hit the timestamp. I mean, I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, I mean, just like us, right? The, um, whatever these objects are, they're gonna um, they're gonna sort threats in the order of highest to lowest. So maybe that's what it was doing. Um, it it uh, interpreted that plane's radar as a highest threat. So it decided to jam it just in case. I, I, great question. And if there is an answer, that that's likely it. It's a high RF energy. You know, it's a different energy than than yep. the spy one. You know, so I yep. I've I've, I've yep. felt it's those. like a pencil beam. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. It's like a laser compared to a yeah. full you know full spectrum. Yep. Wait, when anybody says laser, we have to do the Doctor Evil quotation marks. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't, thank Me, you. Sir. Lee. All right. And let me pass over the money, Nathan. <laughs> not not my term, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh so Kevin, I, I we all um I think saw a tear in the sky. I really enjoyed the film, really exciting to see like the science happening and, and what you guys yeah, were able too. to capture. Me you too. Know, did you come away with the feeling that uh really this kind of activity is happening pretty much everywhere all the time? Well, what's your feeling there? What's your intuition on it? Oh my god. Uh, I you know, I, I hesitate all the all the time to ask why me, you know, because it sounds so damn egotistical and I don't mean it to be that way, but I can't. And other people have asked me too, is like, 
how come you you were the one that found him on radar, Kevin, and intercepted him, and then and years go by, and all of a sudden you, you form this uh, nonprofit organization. You guys will go off the coast, and there they are again. How how are you, and why are you connected to these things somehow? And I don't a don't know that I am. Right. It's just a it's a a coincidence, and uh, call it luck or unluck. I don't know even know what the how did it put my arms around it. Um, but it's a legitimate question, not. And I guess we'll see when we go out on the third one, if we find them again, because I, I think these things are a real and I have for many, 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 many years. And the government now says that I think B are they're findable. And would you just proven that off the coast of California? We deliberately went and, and we we did find them. We got data. I mean, the data's there. It's getting crunched in academic papers right now from University of Albany, New York. And and C, I believe these things are knowable. If we can at least begin to understand what this is, those three things I believe, and in my lifetime I hope, I hope to prove it. Uh, and I, if that's my I contribution say, to this planet mm -hmm. before I pass to, then I'm happy. And and can I say something, Kevin? This is for you and in, in the community. We don't have to know why that you were mm -hmm. there and why you observed it and why you know the fact that you were there. We why should we worry about things that we can't control? There are people in the community who are very, very caught up in worrying about, oh, my God, if we don't know what this phenomenon is and we can't control it, then exactly. We can't control it and we don't know. So I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to lie. And that's my concern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get concerned about it. We're, we can observe it. We can get together like we are now mm -hmm. and have discussions about it. We can throw some theories around it. We're thankful that someone who was on the most advanced radar in the world at the time, got to see one and collect data. We don't have to why <laughs> as far as why you or why not you or are you special or are you not special? Let's just think about what we're seeing and analyze it. We just looked at a couple of things about the radar. Uh, why did it jam this radar and not that? That's interesting point of conversation. There, there are hundreds and thousands of interesting points to talk about without getting into it's real, it's not real. Obviously, it's real. Uh, and let's just think, see if we can kick it around and use our brain power instead of Amen. worrying about what Amen, we DJ. Amen, DJ. And you just um, paraphrased my response to people when they ask me that question. We don't need to worry about why. It's just worry about how. How do we figure this out at this point? Yeah. Let's figure out. Let's work on the how part. Yeah. Why was it Kevin? Why was it Gary? What? It doesn't matter why. They were there. It doesn't matter. Why was yep. it Stephanie? Who cares? She was there. Who she cares? saw it. Yeah. Now let's Who talk cares? about let's what you saw, you know, or you yep. saw. So. Amen. Amen. And I think money needs to be put in place to do exactly that. And that's going to happen at Congress. Um, and also private private um, industry as well. And that's happening, too, by the way. Yep. Is that right? Are you uh, getting some good there, feelers? There's new tech. There's yeah. new technologies that are going to come out of this and stuff like that. I mean, there's space travel and all the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you like to talk about 1.6 gigahertz? Because uh, the guys from Skinwalker said that you guys were seeing uh, you were getting spikes and hits uh, uh, that you would you would um, co uh, basically it would be at the same time parallel. Uh, you were getting a 1.6 gigahertz uh, spike and then something would happen or you would see something. Can you can you speak about that a little bit? 
um, whatever these things are um, off SoCal, I was, I mean, that I was, I was more involved with the operational aspects of all this stuff because we had scientists there with all the tech gear and stuff. So they, they are the true experts on that part of it, if you will. I was more of the, um, the organizer, the manager kind of guy, and made it all happen. But whatever this hole in the sky was, there was objects, solid objects that came through them. And when that happened, we got gamma ray. We got we detected gamma rays. And um, Kevin Knuth comes, Dr. Knuth comes up to me, says, hey, Kevin, I know you don't know what you're really looking at here, but that's a gamma ray spike. And I said, sir, what's the significance of that? He said, what you've seen there, because we just got one just a short time ago or about a million to one to get them that close together or more than that. And it stunned me. I didn't even know how to reply. Um, I, I, I knew in I knew in that moment we had stumbled upon something truly phenomenal again, and and it showed up for us. It showed up for us for some reason. I mean, how do you explain it? Unless there's been unless it's there all the time, and if you go back tomorrow and set up your gear, you're going to find them again, like some other team off the east coast does it. And anyone that does it can go find them at any time. But sure, I'm open to that. If that's the case, my mind's open. But all I know at this moment is we went there and uh, our intention was to, to find them and we did. And this time, the data isn't locked up in the military vault this time or government vault. This time it's in the academic community, the actual data. And my hat's off the entire to the entire team. David Mason, the, um, he's out of Florida. He's invented a lot of this gear. The guy's a genius. You know, we use a lot of his gear. We use a lot of the quantum physicist stuff out of their laboratory in New York. Um, we got data that's probably never been collected by Fort before, um, most certainly at least by a civilian team, an organ, you know, a nonprofit at that. You know, none of us are in this to make money. Far from it. I've spent more than I care to say about, you know, he was I'd awesome. We had I'd do it all again. I'd do it yeah. all again. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Dave Mason blew our mind up with some of the things that he was, uh, some of the things that he was bringing up on here, like the sound waves and stuff. And I was like, <sighs> but uh, Steph wanted to chime in with something, and then we have Debs. Uh, uh, Debs will have a chance with. Yeah. Well, on the next experiment that you guys do, I think. As a suggestion, it would be really cool to have the triangle broaden to Vandenberg, 29 Palms, and Catalina. So almost just kind of expanding that out a little bit wider because when wow. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that would be a perfect triangle. I, um, when I did witness it, it was over the mountain from 29 Palms. So I, there is definitely a lot of activity near Joshua Tree. I know you're aware. So mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's their Air Force Base. And then Vandenberg, of course, would be a perfect spot. So just a suggestion. I don't know if you guys are there yet or if Carolyn's open to suggestions. But yeah, can we call it the Bermuda cool. Triangle? I'm sorry, Nathan. Yeah, <laughs> three, no, seriously. <laughs> yeah, three teams with uh, similar gear at three locations yeah. and uh, triangulate yeah. these things. Yep. Exactly. I'm volunteering Deb for the uh, the part uh, that's out near Joshua Tree. She'll be there with her gear. That Same sounds cool to me. <laughs> or Catalina. A Vandenberg would be cool too. You guys can help us organize the whole thing because that's where a lot of the work goes. Before 
most of the work happens before you even step foot on ground, of course, as you know. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure, all the logistics. These people can organize, let me tell you now. So, all right, Devs, what you got, buddy? Um, I just wanted to know um, if you've had any other experiences since the initial one. Uh, since the initial one? No, I haven't. And in fact, uh, before the show went on air, we were talking about Bigfoot. Now, uh, Southern Oregon, um, I, I'm the Illinois Valley, and of course, this is Bigfoot country. In fact, I live in a little town called Cave Junction. The Oregon caves are right up the road from me. Beautiful, if you've never been. Or marble caves. And I grew up here, and I spent more time in that wilderness than probably 99.9% .9 of the people living here. Um, I have never seen a Bigfoot. Um, it doesn't mean anything, because other people certainly have, and I believe them. Why would they freaking lie about that? I mean, I'm talking about firemen and police, people with credibility, you know, like, they don't have no reason to lie about that. It's just me. I've never seen one out. If is it related to whatever is out there in the sky? Possibly. Uh, the same question goes for whales. Uh, I personally, going back to 2004, I'm, I was an avid whale watcher during my Navy days. Right. Um, this happened in November. The whales tend to they migrate from Catalina down to Guadalupe Island off the coast of Mexico. And every we had we tracked about 100 of these objects in groups of five to 10 at a time be, between, I don't know, over the course of maybe seven days, add them all up about 100 contacts. Every single one of them disappeared off my radar. Remember, we're moving all over the ocean. So my radar envelopes moving with us. Right. But every one of these objects moved, disappeared off radar, depending not matter where we were directly over Guadalupe Island. I think they are related to the whales. And because of that, I it's not impossible that could be related to the Bigfoot phenomenon could be related as well. My mind is open on that question. I've never seen one. It doesn't mean it's not real. I wasn't a UFO guy either until 2004. It didn't mean they weren't real just because I wasn't aware of it. Right? <laughs> I'm yeah. just some dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> Deb, do you have anything else? Or are we going to Kevin? Kevin is... Uh, got yeah, I want to hear Kevin. We haven't heard... Well, other Kevin. We haven't heard Flair in a long time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm what's excited. up, baby? What's yeah. up? So, Kevin, hi. I wanted to thank you, first of all, for coming forward, for your bravery. I, You know, I really respect that. I had an experience, too. I, not quite like yours. I just had a time-loss experience. But so one of the things um, that irks me about the, this, the UFO community is it seems to be the need to translate all these experiences through a cultural lens, you know? And it's like, oh, it's Bigfoot, or it's, oh, it's Grays, or oh, it's Jesus. You know, I don't think that the cultural lens will aid in our understanding. I think that unless it's us, it's going to be outside of our culture, you know? So I think, you know, whatever it is, it defies rational thought. You know, that being said, do you think that um, our current culture of reductionism may be too shallow to fully comprehend the, the phenomenon? <sighs> Man, that that is a great question. It, I wish I could say yes, but just the fact that these objects, whatever they are, um, have avoided us for millennial tell, screams no at me because yeah. I think these objects, whatever, whatever this thing is, they know that if they um, announce themselves on a worldwide scale, 
it might not end well for this planet because it's going to suddenly change everyone on the planet. Yeah. And no one's going to know what the hell is happening. Mm-mm. And if everyone, if everyone on the planet suddenly went through what I went through and man, think about it. I was, a, I was very successful. You know, I was at the top of my game mm-hmm. and, and I ended up in the freaking wilderness. What, what about anyone? What's going to happen to them? I know. They have a family. It's, it's, with it's a scary thing. They're doing what? You know, and the same with the rest of the family. You know, everyone's going crazy. All it seems like they're going, and actually, they're not. They're just changing, and they don't understand it. And I, I think your question is good, and I think that, and I think, um, I wish I could say yes, but I have to say no. And I just think history itself defends me on that answer because I think that's the reason why whatever this phenomenon is, I think that's the reason why they avoid us. And why now? Why maybe they think it's starting to change? Maybe they, I'm hoping maybe the time is beginning to be right. But I don't think we're quite there yet. I wish I could say otherwise, but I just have to go where the facts are right now. Kevin, um, we've spoken at length about what, you know, and when I, I don't mean on this broadcast, but in the community about what we think the phenomenon is. But by its actions, what do you think the phenomenon thought of your presence there, uh, you and your shipmates, or do you think there was an indifference there? That is a great question. Um, I think, actions. well, assuming, assuming first of all, that they were they knew we were there and they were there because of us. Assuming that's hmm. true, I mean, because that that could also not be true. It's just a coincidence. It's a luck thing. And they didn't even care about us. They were doing something else. But if it is true, I think they were there to send a message. Um, a, they're real. And B, um, they uh, can ascertain our intentions. And that, to me, that was a very clear message. And I think is that that message is very useful going forward. I really do. Because if they know what I'm about to do, I can use that. Like um, was suggested earlier, um, a triangulation team, um, 29 Palms, Van, you know, Vandenberg, uh, uh, down in SoCal, maybe off, uh, off even Hawaii or off a ship off the coast. And, um, and if we do that, they will show up because that's what they've told us. And they've said it twice now. At least that's what I hear. <laughs> Who said it twice? These objects. I mean, they. Um, okay. Well, Kevin, we talked about this earlier. Um, right after Commander Fravor's intercept, that that object, whatever he intercepted, ended up on his combat air patrol station, and he hadn't even gone there yet. It was a secret location. There, uh, there are assigned stations we put air, air crews on to put us between, put the ships between um, the suspected threat and and us to protect us. And that object that he had intercepted went to his assigned, not someone else's assigned cap station, but his. And to me, that was a message. It it was telling us very clearly it knows our intentions. And I think that can be useful in research. Kevin, did you, so the behaviors that have been characterized for us at length uh, regarding the day of, the intercept is there something 
in those seven days leading up in those tracks that you had, is there a different behavior that you observed um, during those seven days that you were getting those tracks and those contacts than the day of? I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay. All right. So, so for seven days, you're, you're watching, you're seeing him come from 80,000 feet. Uh, you clocked it at the one point when it went from 28,000 to, to 50 feet, but you had seen them up as high as 80,000 feet. And so there's several nights that you're watching their behaviors uh, and you're tracking before you direct an intercept. I'm curious if there is a different behavior that they observed that struck you than their behavior on the day of the intercept itself. Um, yeah, there, there was. Um, up until the day of the intercept, they were just boring lights in the sky. They were going from Catalina Island and they disappeared off radar off Guadalupe. There was a couple of times I got them on radar and I hurried up and got the relative, you know, I got the relative position from the ship approximate range ran up and looked at him through the big eye binoculars on the bridge and all i all i got to see was a boring white light but other bridge watch centers said they were doing erratic movements and stuff um but i didn't get the opportunity to see that but um once the intercept occurred man those things that behaved um with intent and with abilities that are un were unbelievable and to this day i you tell me what they what it was. I don't know. <laughs> was it? Uh, and if it turns out that it was our stuff, then fine. I'm cool with that. My mind is truly open on this. It certainly and would what make I mean people... by our stuff from from this planet, not, not right. the U.S. Yeah, it would make people a lot more comfortable if that were the case, because then they can they have a box to put it in, they have a context to put it in. There's a control measure there. But if it's not something from that uh, an intelligence we're not aware of, that scares them because now it's like, I don't know what the hell. I can't control this thing, and I have no idea what it's going to do. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it over to Money Nathan. <laughs> um, so there's a show uh, my kids like to watch called Domino Masters. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I did not know, uh, and I don't know if you know this either, but there are folks in, in the world who spend a lot of time playing with dominoes, and they line them up, and they – knock them down and they make all these amazingly beautiful creations at the end of this what they call the topple which is when the last domino falls you can kind of see this entire field of things that are laid before your eyes and it's you, you know often very beautiful that they've kind of made the dominoes fall in such a way to create these you know beautiful patterns if you didn't know it you, you you how dominoes work you might be mystified as to kind of like how that came about i get the sense from listening to you there's kind of a design there's almost like a purpose behind the way in which this phenomena seems to be engaging with humanity uh, do you do you think that, that that is the case do you think that it's kind of reaching out and 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 sort of activating or or sparking the, the minds or imaginations of specific people so that they can be like those dominoes they can fall in certain ways to create something that that we wouldn't be able to create otherwise my short answer is yes i i, I believe there is um assuming again that it's not us meaning you know humans from this planet i believe they 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 must have some sort of agenda or why the hell would they show themselves um not only in 2000 before but other times too you know do you, do you think that it's 
Go ahead. Well, do you think that it's, uh, do you think, what role do you think time plays in this? You know, we talked about the cap point and how, how odd that was. Is our notion of time just sort of broken? Do we need to revise our understanding of how time flows? Oh, yeah, likely. I mean, our lifespan, if we're lucky, is about 80 years or so. I mean, let's just take the Great Pyramids, for example. Um, I think we would be challenged at this moment to build those. How in the hell did they build them centuries ago? With no with no caterpillars, uh, no no cranes, no forklifts, no hel helicopters, no hammer. I mean, no no technology to speak of that we know about. How in the hell did they make the Great Pyramids? And there's not a helicopter on this planet today that could lift one of those blocks. By the way, <laughs> right? So there, um, it's it's incredible. It really is incredible. Yeah, I think they to answer your question. I think time um, we don't have a very good notion of it. And I don't believe this is the first time whatever this thing is has visited this planet. And I personally think the reason why they've been hesitant to visit us in mass again is because whatever happened centuries ago did not end well. And they it scared them from one. They, they probably love us. Whatever these phenomena is, for whatever reason, they probably love mankind. Otherwise, um They'd have been here by now. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you. Everything's on the table as far yeah, as that goes. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yep. Debs. But then again, I just have opinions. I'm just a regular guy like you. I, your your guess is as good as mine. It's a puzzle where we're all just trying to put together, right? And uh, I think we've got different pieces, and it's that's why we got to talk to each other. Yep. That's why we're here. Debs. <laughs> okay. So. I wanted to ask, we talked a little bit about how this impacted your life. Um, and I wanted to just kind of gauge if you feel like things have started to slowly improve with everything being public at this point, with other people coming forward with their stories, um, including people from other um, like, you know, government agencies like the CIA, do you feel like things are starting to go in the right direction that the stigma is starting to diminish? Oh, hell yeah. And, and especially for me personally, I mean, I, it, it almost didn't end well for me back in that wilderness. You know, I mean, it was dangerous back there. There's people living back there that aren't friendly. There's snake, there, there's bear, there's cliffs to fall off of. Um, and I was back there with my cousin. I mean, just the two of us. Um, I, I was homeless, but um, now um, I got through all that. And it, and once I understood, um, and again, I'm guessing, I'm, once I understood why I had changed because of this encounter, um, it that knowledge alone helped me to come to terms with it. And I embraced it instead. And once I did that, my life turned around. I'm doing much better now, much better. In fact, yesterday was my eighth month sober. I've stopped drinking. Nice, congratulations. Um, I, have no, I have no craving for it whatsoever. Thank God for near beer because I still love beer. Always have. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, but I don't drink. Yeah. I, awesome. And I have I have uh, Kimberly Beresford. Thanks for that, my girl. And, yeah, she's in the chat. My, she's my, in the chat. My mom, Kathy Kennedy, and my, my sister, Debbie Day, all the women in my family slapped me across the face and said, wake the hell up, Kev. What are you doing? 
and I finally listened. Thank God. Thank you, Beautiful. God. That's Beautiful. awesome. That's awesome. We are also thankful. Uh, I, so uh, I have a question from one of our friends uh, of the show. He goes by at Benji might be. He's been a, a friend of Cab. He's been a guest of Deb. Um, and uh, this this question, it, it, probably a little bit emotional, and you've answered part of it, but I'm going to ask you because because he's Benji. And he's so um, emotional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? Emotion is Curse emotion is beautiful. It's it's the most human yeah. thing there is. Um, well, it's true. What has, I, I, it's true. I'm yeah, that's, truth. I mean, go ahead, go ahead I, with your question. Uh, what yep. has this experience overall taught you about yourself? Um, not as a sailor or as an NCO, he put officer, uh, but uh, but as a human being, what has this experience taught you about Kevin Day? See, now I'm speaking a third person. Um, never say never. You and I'm I'm speaking of everyone. Um, you within inside of you, if you grab it, there is great things inside of you that you have no idea that you can accomplish that right now. And it might even shock you when you're done looking back at it. So you'd be like, How in the hell did I do that? I'm just some kid from Iowa. How in the hell did I do fill in the blank? And that's my that that's my answer. Um the, you, every one of us has greatness inside of us. If we embrace it, you know, um, or just commonness, you know, maybe that's a better way to say it. We have commonness in us, you know, common greatness. It, it's we're funny all, that it's funny to say perfect. that, Kevin. We're all imperfectly people, perfect. Yeah, we're all imperfectly perfect. Put it that way. The people on this show have been looking for greatness inside of me for a year now, and they still haven't found it. So, <laughs> you know, if there's a way that you could help me realize that that would be great. Um, <laughs> I can right. try, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to send you something uh, Bigfoot wise to watch. That's on Amazon prime that I really like called, uh, and John's going to laugh in the chat because we were speaking about it today over at the base, but it's called uh, missing four one one and the fourth chapter inside that documentary Um has it's called missing 411 the hunted and there is a bigfoot aspect that uh, uh a group of uh, northern california hunters and their hunting camp back in 71 recorded some sounds and also had visual contact with the phenomenon but i will I'll, I'll text that to you but uh let's uh we'll keep going around if anybody has last questions they want to get to kevin uh who is it you're you're next are you next uh no steph is uh kevin's next right Kevin, I, 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 all right, no, we'll go to Steph. Okay. Yeah, I got something. I got nothing. Cool, cool. Well, I would love to. I do often wonder if they UAP have emotional intelligence. So you did somewhat answer that question for me by the fact that they revisited you. So that leads me to believe that they came back to your group on purpose. So that displays some form of emotional intelligence to me. Uh, whether they were trying to display a message to you, I don't know. But my my concern is, you know, that they are disabling the, um, the nuclear reactors and or potentially turning these things on. So is there... 
is there emotional intelligence involved in them trying to stop us from potentially, you know, hurting ourselves here? That's what my question would be is, do you think that there's an emotional intelligence involved in them doing that? I, and I, I think your question is the sort of the same question that um, Matthew Zydogas asked me about intention. Um, and the, my answer is yes. And they are highly emotionally intelligent. Um, mm -hmm. and they can ascertain our intent as well. I think they're watching out for our best interests. I do. They love this blue planet, like probably more than we do. Yeah. I would like to believe that myself. So, you know, it's, it, you hope that the intent is not bad, but you know, I, I do think that we do need to be prepared for the opposite also, you know, you, you hear about the radiation and the lasers being utilized and, I'm concerned as to how our military will react in that regard. Well, you know, I, to kind of put it in a box and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a, a butthole or nothing, but you know, a, a taxi cab is dangerous too. If you stand in front of it when it's going 80. 100% agreed. Very I mean, true. You know what I mean? So uh, there's parts of this phenomenon that maybe aren't healthy, but that's true with any technology, isn't it? Even a pencil or a pen can do damage to you in the proper, you know, the right hands, right? I mean, right. If it, goes up but your, if it goes up your nose too far, then <laughs> probably bad news. Just a right. simple pen. Um, I think, yeah. So I think that's, I don't think um, the radiation is on purpose to harm anyone. It's just uh -huh. we didn't understand what the person in, that was getting too close didn't understand the danger to that particular object. I think that's the answer. All right. Yeah, I, I appreciate your insight onto the as to you know what you think that our reaction would be if if the the case were adverse, if it were something that wasn't a good intent. Um, you know, I'm concerned for our servicemen and women. So something to yeah. something to think about and wonder about. They sure they sure are slow at serving up bad intent. If that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I we mean, haven't that, we haven't been fired upon, but but yeah. um, we fired upon. I mean, them. they've had they've had centuries now to do bad things to us. So, um, if if that's their intent, they're a little lame, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, yeah. even since Graham Graham Rendell wrote his book uh, with the Foo Fighters, so. right? Long right. Time, I'm just kidding. Graham there's, wasn't there in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's potential for it. There's yeah. always the what if. So I do. Yeah. I think about those things, and you know, you you hope and you hope that those things don't happen, but there there's the potential. So, yeah. It is. It is the. It is the very definition of a potential threat. Um, any anything can be threaded. It, it hasn't been kinetic or dynamic at this point. It doesn't mean that they won't be. But uh, but it goes back to what we spoke about earlier. Why am I going to lie asleep at night worrying about things I can't control? What I can do is come and talk about um, how we uh, live together on the planet, which we do on this show and how we might interact with the phenomenon and 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 how we we treat one another. And that's the only thing I can do, and we can we can sit there and theorize about the phenomenon, which is fun. That's why we're doing the show. But I can't worry about what it might do because I can't control that any more than I can control what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Am I going to worry if it's going to rain? I mean, maybe if I'm having like a picnic outside. Anyway, <laughs> uh, money, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I wanted to ask, um, and again, speculating here, uh, anyone who's been through an event that, that really impacts their life thinks back to that event and kind of runs it through their minds over and over again. Is there anything that's occurred to you in thinking back through it that something that you you or others that you know involved in the event would have wanted to do differently if you could run through it again? Anything that you would try to advise or anything you would try to capture or you know, what, what's something that uh, comes to mind there? I would have, I would have kept a, um, a private logbook um, with my, with my re private recordings and some of the fellow watch centers, private recordings, everyone signed and dated it because the actual logbook got confiscated. But mm. um, like my, I have my air intercept control logbook. I mean, I still have that and I have hundreds of uh, air intercepts in that logbook from both peacetime and wartime operations, by the way, you know, because mm -hmm. I was in everything from Desert Shield all the way to Operation Iraqi Freedom, all, all of them, you know, mm -hmm. every single one of them. And um, I had hundreds of intercepts in that logbook, and the Tic Tac was my very last intercept. Now, I wish I would have kept the same type of logbook um, during this. If I could go back in time and doing one thing different, that would be it. Mm. Thank you. It was, it was, I was not, so well, the lesson for that, the lesson for that is, um, always take your cell phone with you. And, mm. and if you see something, pull it out and use it. Right. That's your, that's your, that's our today's logbook right there. Take your Absolutely. cell phone and start recording. Yep. That's our logbook. So that's my, and that, that's another lesson learned. If, so I can turn your question into a lesson learned for right now, this moment, this moment. Absolutely. Take your, take your recording devices with you because, I believe these things are going to become more and more common, the sightings. And now we have the technology to, to see and record them easier than we ever have before. And why has it happened? I don't, and like was said, I don't know. I don't care. But it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like has already been pointed out a couple of times, we do not have control of this, which is part of my personal fear. Um, I know these things right now in this moment could do a, a sudden mass contact worldwide and, and there's not a damn thing we could do about it to stop it evil intent or not there's nothing we can do to stop it um and because i know it changes you to me that's my fear right there bam i mean and I, but i personally believe the reason why that isn't or hasn't happened is because whatever this thing is they don't want us dead Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'd be dead many centuries ago. <laughs> yeah, who's going to do the podcast? I mean, they're not doing it. That's true. So, I mean, they need you know, really they need us. Absolutely. Um, the one they thing do. I was going I was going to ask about this is a community pointed question because I think you can provide a little bit of service to the community now, um, without getting into specifics that would speak about specific capabilities. A lot of people are asserting, for example, that uh, which I don't agree with that, that what Jeremy Corbell is reporting isn't true and that you have all these sort of quadcopter drones that are buzzing around Navy ships. And what I've told them that and I don't remember the name of the system, but the ships have a system that creates sort of a net around these ships and they can shoot down, um, protect the ship without getting into. Uh, the ranges and distances and, and, and anything that would be considered sensitive. Can you confirm that, that there are systems aboard these modern ships that can take out uh, these prosaic 
drones that people fly around without much trouble. Absolutely. Of course there is. Yeah. Even today's tanks can probably do that. You know, I mean, it's the technology, the weapon systems are definitely out there. And I, th I think some of these more recent sightings probably are drones. Now it's a combination of stuff where before it wasn't because drones just weren't prevalent like they are now. But most definitely some of the um, sightings now are, could are definitely well they're definitely probably drones yeah or well, even satellites. Well, people are just paying attention now you know these I mean, are the 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 2019 contacts where they were well offshore beyond the distance and there's an endurance and a uh uh an endurance uh, factor that comes into play and uh and they uh, so at least the, the reporting that jeremy did and and uh, some things that i've heard about is is that uh, these were not something prosaic that couldn't be just or wouldn't be just taken out by the ship's defensive systems. Otherwise, everyone would just fly their drones over to a ship and say, oh, let's go see what's going on on the deck of the ship. Yeah, and or the commanders of the ships didn't didn't interpret whatever it was as any type of threat for whatever reason. Yeah. But there is, there is, there are these Maybe, systems that exist. I mean, we, you just can't go down shooting. You just can't go out and start shooting stuff down just because you, you feel threatened by it. Just like I can't go oh. down to 7-Eleven and punch some guy in the face just because he called me a bad name, you know. It's the same type of thing, right? Um, there has to be, and we learned that lesson hard on the USS Vincennes when we shot down Iranian Flight 655. We just can't shoot down just stuff just because we feel threatened. Mm -hmm. we don't know what it is bad shit happens when you do that right so kind of kind of track and observe and report you know unless you're threatened by it for some specific reason then you take defensive measures and yes to answer your question there are systems in place to do that you bet there is and i won't go into how or why or um right <laughs> yeah, or anything like that. yeah right and <laughs> they, they probably got stuff now i'm not even aware of i've been out of the service for a while now so I was going to say, yeah, they've probably gotten better. But I was telling people, even over when I used to be at, at Bagram as an Air Force guy, we had a Navy system mounted that would take out like um, mortars and and different projectiles that would uh, that would come over the wall. Uh, and these they had uh, they had some uh, radar systems. They had a, a camera suspended by a balloon as well. And when somebody would lob something over, it, I would hear and it would just boom, you know, take it right out of the sky. In, in most cases, not, you know, not a hundred percent effective, but very effective. So I thought Thank I heard God, one. Right? What's that? Thank God. Right. Thank God. Yeah. I heard one one night, I guess it was mounted close to where I worked that I wasn't aware of. And I, I heard it go off and I thought it was the sound of a plane about to crash into the building because it, the, 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 the chain gun, you know, it sounded like a propeller noise. So I tackled the person next to me just thinking of, you know, we got to get down and not and really thinking that the building, the roof was about to come in. But in fact, it was just that system taking out some sort of a projectile that was coming over the fence. So, yep. Anyway. Still, right. Yeah, it still made your shore here stand on in, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was pretty funny. He's like, dude, you, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I thought we we're <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, last round for uh, Kevin Day party people. Is there anything else that, that you guys want to ask Mr. Day? Final uh, shot. Kevin Baker's got one. Well, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to ask a question. You know, we're entering into supposedly a new phase of the Cold War. 
I mean, another Cold War. I was wondering if you think things are about to get interesting regardless to the UAP phenomenon based on, you know, that their attraction to nuclear related things. Do you think it's going to get interesting sighting wise? Um, let me, let me kind of rephrase your question. Would they, would they stop a nuclear war from happening? No, I, I'm, there is a increase in sightings during the, uh, the cold war. Um, you know, they would, be visiting the the nuke sites, the uh, a lot of power plants. I'm wondering if that's going to happen again now that we're entering into another phase of a you know a cold war. I don't I don't know. You know I, I'm like you. I have more questions than answers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that this side is questions and this side is my answer so far. You know. So, right. That's all of us, Kevin. All of us have yep. a lot of questions yep. and we're on the same page, man. Here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. So thank you uh, very much. Uh, everybody's going to want to say goodbye, and uh, we definitely would want to do a uh, round two with you. But before we go, can you please uh, let us in on who you're working with now, what organization, what are your next steps that you guys have going on? Please tell us what you're involved in at the moment. Um, UAPX, um, because of some stuff that happened eternally, in, internally, excuse me, and some other opportunities that I've had come along. Uh, I've left UAPX Expeditions. Um, Gary Voorhees is still running it. God bless him. Good man. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm not part of the organization now. Um, and I'm kind of in a transition period because um, my my wife of 31 years left me um, over mostly over this, um, as it turns out. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I have the love of my life that just entered my life. Um, Kimberly Beresford, uh, I can't even tell you how much that woman has helped me. But God bless her for what she's done for me, you know? There because she is. Hi, Kim. I have heard it. Thank for stop drinking, you know? And um, God, that may have saved my life. Are you kidding me? Wow. Or at least put years back on it, God willing, you know? And what was your question again? I get carried away, man. I get so emotional. I'm sorry. I don't know if I. I'm trying to point. think. That was uh, whose question? Who who had a question for him? That was. Uh, I don't remember who who asked it. Was that Kev or was that me? I know uh, Deb has a final question. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Anyway, oh, yeah. go ahead. So, yeah. hmm, I I want to give a shout out to Kim, by the way, because she is amazing. She and I have yeah. communicated also. So maybe next yeah. time she should come with you to talk. Yeah. Please. Um, yep. So she's, she's listening in right now. She's yeah. listening in. Yep. I know we're wrapping up here shortly, but I just had a quick question. I wanted to ask a lot of people. There are some rumors about some shapes, and we know that um, as far as paperwork is concerned, some of those have been redacted. And I understand why a lot of people don't, but I do get why they redacted them. But some of those rumors are that the shapes that were seen around our military ships are not just tic tacs do you have you heard that has anyone spoken to you about that about what what, what are they the, saying the, the shapes are not just tic tacs oh, shapes. Oh, yeah I the shapes said... of the oh, objects shapes. Okay. Uh, i've heard i've heard for instance that, that there was a saucer no i'm not surprised i mean people have seen triangles squares uh squares and side circles i mean you name the shape and people have seen it Unless we're all on dope, I mean, 
I mean, the people that are seeing these things are highly credible too. And they, why would they want to lie about it? Most of them, you know, of course not. So yeah, Orbs. I mean, the, the fact yeah. there's different shapes doesn't surprise me at all. There's different shapes of cars too, right? They don't all look like uh, Vegas, you know. Every car on the road to Vegas, no, nope, they ain't. All kinds of cars out there. Well, UAP is the same. No big surprise. And and the Vega I wouldn't recommend because they really didn't perfect the four cylinder engine at that point. Um, <laughs> no, so, and I had one. It dates, anyway. it dates me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had one in high school. Um, no, so yeah, the question uh, that that question actually was mine, and it was about what you're currently working with. Is there a name to your new organization? Is there a next step that you want people to know about? Uh, no, it's just uh, me, and I'm figuring it out right now. I'm in the transition period. Um, letting kind of things settle down and adjust. I'm very yeah. picky with who I decide to uh, um, spend my time with right now, uh, just because there's so many demands on it. And, um, and there's a phrase that I try to live by now is be careful what you wish for. You just might get it all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to abide by that. Cause I don't want to be like that rock star guy or that movie star guy that, because I realize how costly that is on a personal level. And I don't want to be that kind of person. I, I'm a pretty simple, man. I just want to have a happy home life and, and help out in my town and my community and, and pay my bills and, and, and take care of the dogs and the house and that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not yeah. too much, you know, I'm pretty simple. <laughs> so like yeah, my life, my, life is, my life is turned around and that's my message. Um, if you encounter these things, um, and, bad shit starts to happen don't give up because at the end of the day if you hang in there with it uh, for some reason this thing will this uh, and i'm not the only one saying this now astronauts are saying this for some reason it ends up improving you somehow as a human yeah yeah it, i i think uh, terry verts has said just going to space and looking back at earth uh gave him a different perspective and yep. seeing the yep. world without map lines on it and made him a better human. And uh, I can hear that when I listen to his podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is a, a little bit of a pinch ourself moment, you know, a year and change ago when, when Nathan and I started this before we even uh, got the other cabbies, we had hoped that we'd be able to talk to you and your mates and a lot of these folks. And uh, thank goodness. Now uh, people are uh, engaging with us and allowing us to Welcome them into a cab that isn't going to run you over at 80 miles an hour, I promise. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, and uh, personally, you know, uh, not only uh, on behalf of cab, but it, it's my honor to speak with you. And uh, I hope that you'll come and join us again. And Kim is welcome to uh, to come with you. And uh, I'll talk, I'll and talk to Kim about it. And uh, I'm leaning I'm leaning in, in favor of that right now because I, I actually very much enjoyed being here with you guys. And it sounds like you're my kind of people. That's what's Thank up, you, my man, Kevin Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So for, for, for Nathan, <laughs> for Debs, for Steph, and for Kevin, this is DJ saying to Kevin, peace out. Thank one you. love. And as always, we'll see you down the road. We wonder what's up around the bend. Thank you, and God bless. Out. You too.